I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Hello there and welcome back to This Song Is Yours. I'm Simon Fink, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join us for episode 314. Today we're diving into the world of the incredibly talented Angie McMahon. Based in Nam, the singer-songwriter has been making waves with her most recent masterpiece, the stunning second record, Light Dark Light Again. This sensational album has been the talk of the town, earning Angie well-deserved critical acclaim and nominations for prestigious awards across the country in only a matter of weeks since its release. In today's episode, we're honoured to have Angie McMahon join us on the podcast as we explore the depth of her songwriting. We'll delve into the intention behind her captivating lyrics and the pivotal role that they play in her music. Angie also shares insights into her meditation practices and how embracing imperfections in her artistry leads to a more authentic and genuine sonic outcome. We'll also touch upon Angie's process of translating her intricate songs into a live setting, particularly how she's going to transform these stacked vocals from her brand new record into some compelling backing vocals performed by her own band. Now, this was honestly such a lovely conversation to have, and we want to thank Angie again for her time. We also want to say a massive thank you to Jenna from Super Duper for her help with today's episode. Before we embark on this fascinating conversation, please ensure you subscribe to This Song Is Yours on your preferred podcast platform. Stay tuned for our latest episodes by following us on social media. All the details are available in the show notes for today's episode. Thank you once again for tuning in and let's dive into our conversation with Angie McMahon. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Angie McMahon. Angie, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the podcast. I very much appreciate it. No, it's 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 exciting to be here. I'm a little bit scared of podcasts because it's oh, it feels very real. It's like no one's typing up what I say later. It's just exactly <laughs> what I say, all the ums and ahs. Uh, sorry in advance. <laughs> exciting. Firstly, I think that there's something really nice about like an imperfect conversation. And so like similar to songwriting, <laughs> not to like tie it all together, but similar to songwriting, I think there's something nice in the fact that like some, some conversations don't go very well. Um, but I'm, I'm not having any of those thoughts or feelings towards our conversation today. I'm excited for our chat. I don't think there's going to be any kind of dull moment. Thank you. That's nice. And yeah, I'm, a, I'm happy to hear that. I'm a fan of the imperfect everything. The imperfect approach to life is uh, where I find (laughs) peace and relief. So I'm with you. (laughs) It's the only way forward. Agreed. 100% agreed. Um, I'm 
feeling, yeah, very lucky to actually be able to chat to you today because I know that with the most recent record that has come out from yourself, it was the second studio record, Light, Dark, Light Again. Firstly, congratulations on this stunning and gorgeous record. Um, Thank you. How are, I guess, how are you feeling with it? It's been out for about a month now and from all reviews and reactions I've seen, it seems to be going like it's pretty well received. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Yeah, I actually have been really, really nicely surprised by the reception. Um, If there is negative feedback, it hasn't reached me, which is kind of Mm -hmm. a blessing. Uh, If there is, I mean, I'm sure there is, but it's just been nice because, yeah, it's been a long time between records and uh, I was saying to someone the other day, I wish I could go back to myself like six or 12 months ago and just like reassure that version of me that um, the record's going to come out, people are going to listen to it. It's going to be, you know, a good source of inspiration for people or, you know, it's going to live in the world in a nice way and you can stop worrying so much about it. I feel, yeah, just relieved to be past that part of the process where (laughs) you have no idea how it's going to be received, how it's going to look and sound when it's finished and, um, yeah, it's just such a long slog. Like you empty so much of yourself into this thing and it's, it takes so long to finish it and then, you know, plan the release and everything as anyone who's made a record or something similar would would know. So <laughs> I feel really lucky to be at this point, yeah, a month after the release. Um, I've just, it's felt like a big breath out, you know, a big thing off my shoulders that I don't have to worry about <laughs> making any more creative decisions about it it exists now (laughs) whatever it is it's done (laughs) well it has been like extremely well received since it's released a month ago I think not only in terms of like um music critics uh, I know fans are absolutely loving the record as well but I think um what was it I know it's been nominated for the amp prize it was nominated for the um triple j award of the year uh album of the year award sorry um and that was literally I think after a week after release, which kind of speaks to the power of this record. So um, I I would love to, I guess, know a little bit in terms of, because it has been a few years since Salt, which was the debut record. Was there, yeah, I guess was there, was, I know you touched on it a tiny bit, but was there nerves in relation to following it up and I guess the anticipation of that, you know, the difficult second record? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, my mental health fluctuated and went through a full spectrum of um, up and down. And I think it it probably was largely related to that, even when I didn't, you know, necessarily label it that way, um, whatever season of fear I was in. But I think... It's, it seems to be kind of inescapable from what I've heard from other artists that, you know, the second record, it does just carry a bunch of weight and um, that that did inform the process. I think I felt that build up um, maybe like a year or two into like not having released anything. You know, after Salt comes out, there's like this 18-month point, I think I remember, where I'm just like, oh, my God, like it, the the next record has to be out right now. Like it, it needs to be out tomorrow and it needs to be done <laughs> and, and it needs to be amazing and like why haven't I finished it yet? And that is just not the way that it was meant to be. And then, you know, which brings us to now, which is, yeah, like 
another 18 months or two years after that point, um, luckily the that feeling did die down because it eventually was just like, just put something, in, you know, <laughs> just let it let it be exactly what it was meant to be. Um, but definitely there was some peak of stress around that in the middle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the first, um, I guess, even iteration of a song that you wrote following that kind of realisation? Good question. I mean, there were songs that I was writing that um, didn't end up on the record. The one that comes to mind is Music's Coming In. It's song number 12 on the record. Um, I'm really glad it made it on. And it was, I I, I think it was around that time, um, just trying to encourage myself to, yeah, it would have been about 18 months after Salt came out, just trying to encourage myself to make anything and to let it be in flow and let it be um, real and raw and not come from a place of I better write a perfect song right now when I sit down at the piano, you know. So that song was sort of an exercise in um, really just writing anything and letting it be vulnerable and real and and we were able to protect that when we made it in the studio as well, um, that, that whole feeling, which I'm really really grateful for it was a lot of fun to record that one um yeah so that you know that writing style of of really just talking to myself and being like hey it's okay stop being afraid just look after yourself just make some music like that um that that was probably around that time I was really just writing to myself like in conversation with myself at that point and it was a nice exercise and I think that did carry over into some of the other songs and the rest of the record as well yeah i would 100 percent agree with that i think that there's um and i promise i'll stop like continually kind of complimenting yourself and the record i do want to obviously <laughs> talk about the positive parts of it it is um there is a beautiful balancing act that you've done with this record in terms of i think it the record itself seems to be dealing with um anxiety, unease, uh, grief in some parts. Um, and then the kind of flip side of that, as you said, like the, the realizing that it's kind of okay. And the acceptance of, of certain parts of that, um, who was it with? I think there was, there was, there was an incredible article, um, in, I think it was the guardian by Giselle, uh, Giselle Nguyen, who, um, yeah, did you see, you're nodding where I'm thinking you know which one I'm talking about. She went for a bit of a walk and this record really seemed to ease a lot of that anxiety. You, um, yeah, I guess, firstly, what's it like reading that kind of review for a record? Well, I, yeah, I don't know Giselle, but I feel like I owe her a message wherever she is because that review was so great to read. It was the first thing that I read the day the album came out. My dad had texted to me and he's like, look, an album review. And, um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't necessarily intending to be online all day and read (laughs) you know what people thought of it but that was what I read first thing and uh, I just immediately felt so fulfilled (laughs) you know like satisfied um, with the intention of the record and I think what yeah what turned out to be the overall lesson of the thing and the the theme of it um, was yeah just to be received by someone in that way where yeah she just said it it helped her feel better ultimately and that was the best thing to hear and um and and really made me feel a lot of relief from the moment that I woke up that day so (laughs) 
that was really beautiful. Um, and that that is what, you know, the best moments of making the record for me were in moments like that as well, like walking in nature and either um, coming up with a song, like working on a song idea or listening back to a demo or a mix or whatever. Um, that's where it made the most sense and where I've, I was finding relief at the time and um and still am <laughs> so I was just so happy that she yeah absorbed it that way and um and and wrote that in the opening paragraph of her review I was like oh thank fuck <laughs> 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 yeah. it, it is nice. it is a fantastic review I'll try and make sure I um along with all your details and um places where people can buy the record I'll try and include a link to that um that review as well because it is I think a, a very gorgeous review um mm. One word that you used then was intention, which I think is a really important word in terms of how do you, I guess, how important is it that you're able to convey those feelings when you are recording and and trying to get the songs in their, I don't want to say purest form in terms of like stripped back, but I mean purest form in terms of the exact emotion you're trying to convey with a recording. I mean... What I found in the process of this record was that you can't necessarily be in control. <laughs> I found that in so many ways. You can't be in control of uh, the ultimate complete finished version of the sound. You know, you have a certain amount of control and, and hopefully it comes out the way that you wanted it to. But I think the intention is the most important part. And I think um, if you're if you're clear on what you're like going into creation with like the seed that you're planting then um there's this really beautiful practice of being able to trust that that will come across and I think like it's just like anything I'm trying to apply this (laughs) you know Buddhist wisdom or whatever that you you control the things that you can control and um you know what, what space you can carve out for that and then let the universe do its work and let the song be how it is or the record be how it is meant to be but um you get to feel like yeah like peace at knowing that you intended it to be a certain way does that make sense I mean it kind of like it was mm. the same in the studio like there's other people involved um there's a bunch of factors time pressures um etc and uh I would just like show up to the studio today trying to be my best self and then like see what comes out of it and hope that that comes across in the recording and that energy comes across in the recording and like um maybe it does and maybe it doesn't but I can be at peace with myself knowing that I you know tried to do it that way and I'm really just rambling. I don't know if anything that I just said came out the way that I meant it to in my brain. But the intention is an important part. I I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I'm thinking about this meditation that I do sometimes. It's like a guided meditation. And you do it at the start of the day and you think of the way that you want to feel that day or the, you know, the, the word that you want to embody. And you think of it as a seed in your hand and you um, focus on that seed and the way that that feeling would grow in your body. And then you kind of let it go, you know, you like blow it out of your hands or whatever, you send it off into the the universe and then you don't have to think about it anymore. You can if you want to, you can return to the idea, but you can also just trust that that has been, you know, planted, that seed, and 
Um, you don't have to be worrying about it the whole time. And I think that is sort of something that I was trying to take into the creative process as well, um, just because I tend to worry. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like in in a weird not even not roundabout way, but like almost what we were talking about right at the start in terms of if you're focusing too much on something being perfect, it doesn't kind of work where it's the things with imperfections that are kind of more natural and come across as a more genuine Mm. piece of work, whatever that may be, whether it's a manifesting the day ahead or this stunning record. So I can definitely Mm. appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're carving out space to trust that, um, you can flow with whatever happens and like whatever surprises come along and respond to them. And that feels better than trying to grip the wheel, you know, and trying yeah. to <laughs> trying to really like know what's around every corner and know exactly how it's going to sound and know what it's meant to be. And I mean, because this record took me like quite a while to make, I just kept coming up against, you know, different roadblocks, different ways to, you know, be hard on myself around it. And I just had to keep on, remembering that like okay well this is the roadblock how are you going to flow with it rather than like how are you going to grip the wheel and keep it on course even though there's a brick wall in front of you you know like it sort of was important to carve out space to just adapt and um and and trust the intention yeah 100 percent. i can yeah very much appreciate that um i was wondering if you might allow me to be a little bit selfish and ask about um, my favourite track on the record. Please. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, again, the the entire record is stunning. I kept, um, found my, I kept, I kept finding, no, that's not the right English. (laughs) I found myself, (laughs) sorry, there we go. I found myself returning time and time again to Fish, which is the third Mm. track on the record. There seems to be something both like calming mysterious and loving about that track all in the one. And I was wondering if you might, um, after I stop having like word vomit and not be able to speak properly, um, yeah, I guess where that song came from and what was the inspiration behind it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I also think that's one of my favorites. That was one of the songs that came earlier on. I wrote that in 2020. I was alone in my bedroom. I'd just been listening obsessively to War on Drugs and I (laughs) sat down at my, like, at my desk and I just wanted to make a demo that sounded like the feeling that was in my body, you know, like I guess I get a certain vibe from that band and I wanted to 
create from that place and um and it just kind of came out at least the first half of the song just sort of fell out in that in that brief writing session and it felt really good and this was yeah I don't know eight or nine months after Salt had come out you know a few months into lockdown I wasn't feeling very confident about writing and creating and then on the other side of that having the first half of that song I felt like I had carved out the space for the world that the record was going to exist in. I felt really good about the way that it sounded. I tried to like keep that sonic sound, sonic sound, (laughs) you know, the sonic decisions that I made in that demo um, throughout the whole recording of that song. I recorded the song several times because I just really wanted to get it right and, and nail that feeling. And I also wanted to write a whole record that sounded (laughs) like that song and that was kind of one of the blocks is that it just, you know, that one came and then um, the other songs were other things entirely and I sort of I had to let go of it at some point that I wasn't writing a War on Drugs record but that song like remained really special and inspiring and um, yeah, I... I had never written something like it and I don't exactly know what it is that I love so much about that one, but I'm with you. I, I, I really love that one. There is something. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it definitely did. There is something truly magical about that song. So thank you for sharing that with me. And, um, yeah, very, now that you've kind of mentioned the war on drugs, I can see certain like sonic similarities without maybe it being like a direct, oh, that's a war on drugs kind of take. Like you can definitely hear that it might have influenced that. So, um, yeah, thank you again for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I remember listening. They have a song called Suffering and I remember that was this the the beginning of the fish song, which uses probably the word suffering and then buffering, or, you know, something like that. Um, <laughs> I think it it was from listening specifically to that song, and um, I, I kind of like that. I mean, I don't think of that as plagiarism. I think of it as like a spark, you know. And one hundred percent. And then yeah, it sort of it, it became like I wanted the song to sound like you're underwater. Like I really took the image of like the fish. Someone told me later on they didn't understand, like, what is this song about? And I thought it was really obvious, but to me it was like, oh, you, there's plenty of fish in the sea. It's like that metaphor, like your partner is your fish kind of thing. But I don't know if I'm needing to explain that to people, but um, I guess you can interpret it however you want. Uh, did you get that? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I wanted to um, say that it kind of came across and I thought that was maybe part of it is like the whole fish in the sea and, and you're my fish. Mm. I... Obviously, again, songwriting is up for interpretation, but, again, I would not want to insult anyone, but I thought it was kind of obvious as well. So (laughs) I think you conveyed (laughs) it quite well. For some, maybe it is just a a different thing. Yeah, everyone everyone hears a song differently, I guess, and they're listening to different things, but um, that's nice. Yeah, I my favourite bit was building the end, like stacking all these vocals on top of each other, and I built the song... Uh, kind of wishing that I had my band there, but we were in lockdown, obviously, and I couldn't, you know, write and record with them. So I had a, a drum loop that my drummer, Lockie, had um, recorded way back when for me, and I was using it just to, like, write on top of. And so I looped his drums and I stacked all these vocals on top of each other and I was like, oh, I'm going to get the whole band to sing all these BVs. And um, now I think it's kind of the bane of their existence to be, like, belting all these vocals. But <laughs> it, it was really it was really fun to, like, try and make this underwater choir um, feeling, yeah. 
No, I absolutely love it. It's an incredible track. So for anyone listening to the podcast who hasn't listened to the record, please listen to the whole record, but also very much listen to Fish. Um, Angie, I was wondering if you might indulge us into your first like foray into songwriting and where that kind of spark initially took place. Mm. Good question. Um, I think I had a singing I had like a singing class, like I, I was seeing a singing teacher when I was about 14. I don't know if I'd written anything before then. Maybe I had, but he was kind of like, are you writing songs? And I was like, oh, you know, like I've written a song before. And he was just like, you need to start writing songs now. And he just like, you know, you just need someone to tell you, like, go and write songs. Why aren't you writing songs? And he maybe gave me permission. Um, and the songs that I started writing were really, really depressing. They were just like, I would write in these weird metaphors about like, you know, big heartbreak and darkness and pain. And like, I mean, I didn't have any kind of semblance of a romantic relationship in my like teenage life. I was just like <laughs> living in dreamland and um, and I guess turning my angst into like, yeah, re- re- like weird poems and um, playing piano, like probably inspired by Missy Higgins, like the Sound of White record was where I, I guess like, yeah, learnt how to write to an instrument. Um, I think I was inspired by that style and I still am. Um, yeah, I, I'd be really scared to find any of those old recordings. <laughs> <laughs> the uh but yeah I I don't know I I loved singing and I loved singing feelings out and the words were just I didn't really have anything to write about but I was more just like using my voice as a way to you know express big emotions which I had I had really big emotions and so I would sit at the piano and just try and pour things out of myself you know um and that's all I can tell you. I can't really remember them. Even no, that's that. Even that is a. I feel like a good kind of. Um, what is the word? Like the origin story of like where it began for yourself. So <laughs> I kind of love that the fact that because um, where did I read this? I think was I think even though singing came a little bit later, you were always somewhat musical. Like even as a kid, like playing piano after dinner and stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was learning pop songs on the piano, um, and I think I, I, I think I actually don't really, I can't really nail down the timeline of like what came first and when. Like, I can maybe nail down when the confidence came, but uh, I was learning classical piano since I was really young, and I had a very patient, lovely Yamaha teacher who um, agreed to start teaching me like Maroon 5 and uh, like pop songs that I wanted to learn. Like, you know, She Will Be Loved. I remember learning that on piano and like, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember who else, but even, even just like show tunes and stuff. Like I was always so excited by learning popular music. And so she'd be like, you know, if you learn your exam songs and if you practice this Bach thing, then we can do the pop song at the end. And then um, yeah, I just, I got really, <laughs> I got really into learning pop chords and I stopped reading the sheet music and just making things up with my ear. Um, so it was listening to other 
songs and learning to sing other songs. I was doing that um, for quite a while before I really started to shape my own like verses and choruses, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're just becoming well-versed in, in others so that you can build your own. Totally, yeah. Learn the chords yeah. and then figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that there's a lot of people excited to see um, this record in a live setting. I know that um, there, where is it? Where are we now? I think actually next year, um, which seems wild to say, um, next year you're going to be taking the record around the country as part of Laneway Festival. Um, How are you feeling in terms of taking these songs out to people for a live live debut of these songs? Yeah, really, really excited. Um, It's something I've been looking forward to for a long time. Like playing shows is, it's just such a joy. And I thought about it so much, you know, when we couldn't play shows, I became much more thoughtful um, and much more grateful around like being able to have that experience. And so I think I've been really looking forward to that time with people and time with the songs in like a live sense. and yeah, the plan is just to spend all of next year touring it. I guess it's it'll be nice to be able to take it wherever it wherever it will be accepted by people <laughs> and wherever I can afford to take it. Um, we played a couple shows with the band, like just to get a feel for it, and it, it it's just feeling so good. It's so nice to to be able to bring the record to life um, like that. You know, it was. A lot of it was recorded overseas, so I didn't have my band with me and um, it's been really beautiful to get in the room and, and learn them together and kind of inject new life into them again and, and find out what they want to sound like on stage, like what the songs want to be. So it's, it's a great creative process. Um, it feels like a new... There's a, there's a power source and then you get to like keep charging it up with new ideas and stuff you know it's like yeah I think it's going to be cool um touring is obviously quite different now to was how it was when we were doing it before and it's comes with new challenges but um yeah it's just such a great thing to be able to be in the room with people and like cry and sing <laughs> I love it <laughs> 100% agreed. I know um, uh, myself and some friends will be heading to um, Adelaide Laneway to see you play these songs. Um, is there a oh, song yay. in particular? Because I always feel like it's an unfair question to ask, you know, what's your favourite? Even though I <laughs> even though I mentioned my favourite song on the record, I feel like it's unfair to ask the artist. In terms of um, a live setting, is there one that changes for you that kind of is a favourite to play live, I guess? Well, we haven't played the whole record yet. Um, I think when we get around to doing a headline show, we'll have we will have every song in the set list. Um, at the moment, it's kind of a blend of the old and the new. And it's actually Fish probably is the answer to your question. Like I really love playing Fish. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's just got like that drive behind it and it feels so big and you get to yell a little bit and... Um, yeah, what else? I, I like making it through. That's another one of my favorites on the record. And I really like getting to play that live. I get the crowd to sing the light, dark light again, bit back. I like forcing people to be a choir <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and like have a bit of a chant together. So yeah, that's, that's really fun. Um, and I also like exploding. I think that 
is it's a very cathartic song. Uh, again, it's an opportunity for me just to like yell and scream, basically. And uh, it kind of that song kind of asks you to give everything that you physically have to it, and um, it feels good afterwards, like going for a run or something. You know, it's like a, it's a great catharsis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. Well, yeah, as I'm amazing. Excuse me. As I mentioned, I know that there's quite a few people very excited to see these songs in their live setting. So that is something for all of us to look forward to. Um, Angie, we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment that's on um, high rotation for yourself? Yeah, I actually just have this record that I found this week um, that I'm really loving. It's by an artist called Loren. Um, she is Canadian and um, it's really beautiful. I can't even remember what the record's called. I'm going to find the name of it. It's a cool name. Um, bear with me. And also there's an artist called Blonde Shell who it turns out is also going to be on the um, <clears throat> on the Laneway tour. Um, and they're amazing. That band is so good. Um, Leftovers is the name of the Loren album. I just looked uh, yeah. that up. Um, that's really good. And also my brother just got me onto this record that I hadn't heard before, but it's, um, it's by the magnetic fields and it's called 69 love songs. It's like from the nineties. I don't know if you know that record, (laughs) but, um, it's like, it's like three hours long and it's got literally 69 (laughs) love songs on it. I mean, I don't know if it's like 69 exactly, but I'm guessing it is. And it's, yeah, it's like easy to disappear into and you just have no idea what's coming next. I'm really liking that. It's definitely you definitely have to put aside some time for that for that last one, but um, yeah. three absolutely <laughs> solid choices um, and and a good kind of mix of like similar um, I want to say similar vein, but also like very different kind of indie rock in a way for the three. Yeah, totally. Like it's that's just I mean that's just this week. If I'm being honest, like I haven't been listening to a lot of music. This year I've sort of been overwhelmed by the um, the like thoughts that I've had to have around all my own songs and record and so I've, I've just been listening to like podcasts and just like ambient, you know, like meditations and stuff and I, I think probably with the release of the record I finally feel like, you know, I can let that go and get back into um, records again, which has <laughs> been a nice feeling. But, yeah, it's been a funny a funny break. And the other thing that comes to mind is this isn't released yet, but I have this friend, um, her name is Annie Rose Maloney and she's working on a record that she sent me the mixes for because me and some other local songwriters have like sung, we've been doing the BVs on it and it's just like, oh my God, it's so good. I don't know when she's going to put it out. I don't know when it's going to be ready, but um, I hope it's next year. And yeah, she's just so good. It's like incredible songs. So that's the other secret record I'm listening to. <laughs> <laughs> That's very exciting. Well, I will um, try and put her details in the show notes of the pod as well so that anyone um, listening can go and follow her and then keep an eye out for whenever that record does um, grace us with its presence. Yay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> she'll hate me for it. She'll hate the pressure, but she'll <laughs> Hopefully it's just um, uh, not spotlight. I don't want to say spotlighting because you said the pressure. Um, Hopefully it's just going to bring um, some new (laughs) fans to to gather around and and enjoy her music as well. But um, until that point, Angie, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I do appreciate it. And congrats on Light Dark. Like again, it's a fantastic record. 
details on where people can buy it will be in the show notes. But uh, yeah, thank you again for coming onto the podcast. Thanks, Simon. And thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you. And thanks for your support. <laughs> it's lovely. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.